so I was kind of like in alleyways back and forth. I got I got footage, which a lot of it, like it is kind of accidental in the sense that, you know, I would open up a camera and there was this one scene that I'm not going to spoil it for the viewers. But when I pulled out the camera just to sort of like, you know, uh, grab something and, and focus it in uh, immediately because it was out of focus, it looked like a totally different scene, but one that the viewer would immediately recognize as, you know, um, you know, as like a certain kind of night scene. And I was like, this will be perfect if I just kind of like focus in very, very, very slowly. And then it's going to be totally different from what the viewer expects uh, this kind of distorted image is. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was like all this like nice lighting, right? There's the regular like yellow lights. There was like a bunch of violet light that you don't even see until I panned the camera up very slowly. And that's the thing. It was a perfect like, because I, I had to do so many like takes and retakes and retakes just because of like the the muscle issue of like all right slowly put it up you have to make sure that you don't over focus so that it gets blurry again in the other direction and it was just like one take and it was just absolutely perfect Hi, everyone. Joel Parrish and I are back recently from Minneapolis. We were shooting our first film together. It's going to be called uh, From There to There, Bruce Ario, the Minneapolis Poet. We conducted a bunch of interviews with uh, people. We shot a lot of footage of Minneapolis. We actually did a, a bunch of updates on that. If you check back on this channel, this is probably going to be up uh, a few days after the, the final a uh, couple of clips from uh, our actual like time of the trip and our discussions just together there sitting next to one another in, in this show I, I just want to get through this idea of like how to make an independent film right because this is what we're doing uh how to do it on a budget because we're keeping things uh, on the budget we're going to go through i guess some equipment we're going to go through our style we're going to go through some of the strategies that we employed because we spent only about i'd say like four full working days in minneapolis mm -hmm. and like the whole time there like it just felt it just felt so so long because we were doing so much we might at mm -hmm. some point in fact like even return to minneapolis if we want to get more footage and maybe there's going to be a bit of a less crazy packed trip. But I remember like a couple of days into it, uh, you and I were just kind of like sitting back and thinking, damn, like do, like, do you remember how like just a few, it was just like two days ago that we were getting footage of the trains and the puddles um, and those <laughs> derelict buildings. So it felt like such a long time had passed in between. And we didn't quite talk about uh, the final day that we had because in the final day it was so, so busy that uh, we just didn't get a chance to sit down and shoot because it was already nighttime and we had you know our planes to catch the next morning and yet we were out until midnight together shooting and also i was myself uh, up in in my room until three o'clock in the morning just getting things together mm -hmm. and also getting more footage from outside the airbnb which actually might become a critical part of the film unexpectedly and yet you know it's one of those wonderful things that that uh happen in that way so um i mean let's just talk about that final night because to me yeah. that was by far the most enjoyable part of the trip 
Uh, it was really cold outside. It was like, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 25 degrees. It was very windy because we were by the water. And yet at a certain point, we were like, you know what? We need to get different footage. So for the majority of that time, we just split up different parts of the city. And we were just kind of running around doing our own thing, which to me was just like, especially with my, you know, very, very small camera. It's such a wonderful thing to do because you just put this thing around your neck, right? And you go into all these little crevices and you get whatever that you want, right? And, you know, maybe some people are looking at you, but you're you're in all the alleys and you're very nimble. You could do whatever you want. And to me, that's like, um, you know, the kind of guerrilla style of of filmmaking, I think really works nicely for my style. I I personally can't ever imagine myself hauling around a big camera or a big tripod. I'm going to just like sneak things in, right? Because again, I'm a sneaky, Mm -hmm. compact person. So maybe we, we, we could talk about this like final... A day and um, uh, what we did because all we also had an interview too, right? That we should talk about. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, maybe you could just take it away from there. Sure. Yeah, let's talk Sunday, which was, I agree, probably the, the most exciting and fruitful day of the trip. And as I've had a little bit of time this week, just to reflect on the whole thing. To your point, the whole trip feels like a long time ago already. But um, I was thinking to myself how how did i feel each successive day wednesday was a travel day and then we i think we did our first little uh, clip together that night after dinner mm-hmm. uh, both maybe captured a couple quick things before bed or early the next morning and then it really kicked off in earnest on thursday so um thursday with going to the falls and then the the industrial section of the town and uh and everything else I, I felt, I remember feeling like, you know, that was all good stuff, but, but we're behind already. Like we've got so much to get to, you know, how are we, how are we possibly going to do it? Friday, we were at the church. We did the interview with Larry. Um, then we got out in the afternoon and, you know, got onto the bridge. We went to uptown We're we're scooting around all over the place. You know, again, got a lot of stuff, but I remember Saturday feeling, did we get enough? You know, are we behind? And And then Saturday, Sunday was just you know, let's jam, let's, let's really get after it. So another interview Saturday, um, plenty more stuff, you know, walking around, running around all over the city Saturday that night, we got some, some nice footage after a sports game with uh, a couple of things we had really wanted to capture. And uh, Patrick, who we interviewed, kudos to him for giving us the tip that that game was in town. So we could go get into a crowded area because you and I had both commented, there's just not enough crowd. You know, we need, we need, yeah, it's very odd. Want. Yeah. Minneapolis yeah, does not stuff, have crowds. It's not a crowded spot. Um, and so we we're like, man, we we know at some point there have to be crowds. It is it's a city, you know, but but where could that be? So Patrick, you know, thank you for uh, telling us there was a Timberwolves game and that lent itself to to some of the things that I'm sure will appear in the film. And then Sunday, you know, we did. We we got up early. Uh, I know I had my first real good cup of coffee from Spy House Coffee on the trip Sunday morning. He drinks coffee at like 8 p.m., 12 p.m. He keeps drinking coffee until before bed. I don't like yeah. to me personally, when I see some of the guy, I think, okay, there's there's some sort of adrenal dysfunction, but this guy is not stressed, right? He, do, he does not really get stressed. So I don't think that's what's going on. But for whatever reason, <laughs> caffeine doesn't affect him. Yeah, I, I, for better or worse, I don't know, but uh, but it is. It's my habit, you know, the, the after dinner cup of coffee at like seven thirty or eight p.m. But um, I had basically was just been drinking. I, I complained about this to you. I was just drinking Trader Joe's instant coffee, which mm-hmm. is not good. But you know, we had more important things to do, obviously. But then I, I got up early Sunday. I went to Spy House, delicious coffee. Got a bag to bring home. It's really good stuff. So if anyone's in Minneapolis and you're looking for a good cup of coffee, I can recommend Spy House. 
but um, but that was nice because Sunday really did become a combination for us of divide and conquer, mm-hmm. and also some stuff together. So you know, even that morning, you know, I was I went out early, got the coffee, I snagged a few things on that route. Uh, we came back, we got you know, we got ready to uh, to go out to some other parts of the city. Do you remember where we went Sunday morning? I've been trying to remember because David's interview wasn't until 1 p.m. Yeah, so Sunday we morning we went back to Minnehaha Falls, which I got. That's you right. Know, I got That's my, right. Okay. I got some critical footage for one of the poems that I did not expect to use actually in the film. I got yeah. some critical footage that's, ooh, it's going to be, ugh, I'm just so excited. Just think about how it's going to play out in the film. Yeah, nice. Okay, good, good. So yeah, that's that's it. I couldn't I just couldn't remember, but you did. Uh you grabbed some some critical stuff. I got some critical stuff that I hadn't had a chance to get on Thursday when we were there and it probably turned out better because it was nice and sunny there on mm-hmm. Sunday morning whereas it had been misty, light rain, great great mood on Thursday, but a totally different mood. Um Sunday for the things I needed especially with some of the, the ways the camera was working and pointing rain would have gotten on the lens and stuff on Thursday on Sunday. It didn't. So that was, that was good. Um, but yeah, we were back at the falls, grabbed some more stuff there and then, uh, you know, headed over to Robbinsdale, this other you know part of the city we hadn't been to it was about a 20 minute drive away from the Airbnb. So it took a little doing to get out there. Um, and it seemed like, you know, a more working class, probably part of Minneapolis and, um, you know, still, still a nice spot. I mean, it had a lot of its own character, but, our interview with uh, with David Folkt, who had been a friend of Bruce's for a very, very long time and uh, had been a partner with him in, in sobriety over many mm-hmm. years. And so uh, and, and had attended Hennepin Ave United Methodist Church with Bruce for a long time. So uh, David was, you know, was really a, an interesting character full of stories uh, about mm-hmm. his own life, Bruce's life, Minneapolis as a city. Um and so on. And and so he, he really had some nice, um, nice things to say, nice quotables in there that I'm sure will make it into the film. His apartment was also uh, really suffused with his character. There were, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, we, we'll, I'll just leave it at that because I, I, I don't want to give anything away until people see the film. But there are some nice little things going on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in his apartment that were that were of interest and that he maybe commented on, too. So the interview with David was was good. But then, honestly, once that wrapped. And we mm-hmm. kind of hightailed it back to the Airbnb and it was like, okay, final well, crunch we, time. But but we didn't. Then we, we, you know, we had that other little meeting that uh, went nowhere. Like we did a lot right before, you know, even like the nighttime crunch time. But Oh, that's we, true. Yeah, the but, other, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, we don't, like there's so many things happened that final day that I, yeah, I honestly can't even that. remember what's going on. We didn't even have to get into that, but, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll we leave could, that. Yeah, we'll leave that for later. Um, let's save that for another, like maybe uh, an outtakes uh, yeah. in a, the, the package with the film because it, it is a funny story there were some funny yeah. things that happened there but yeah, yeah. It, it didn't turn out to be fruitful which i think we agreed was was maybe our only real misstep our only our only thing on the trip that didn't quite break the way that well, we had hoped you know well uh, well we didn't um but we didn't quite have that i didn't really have that expectation that was like it could break one way or the other right it's not yeah. and, you know if it, if it happens great if it's not it's not really a big deal and it's not really something that was very much within our control that easily um you know it's just no. like a function of yeah. like you know travel time when we got there like it was just all this kind of stuff so um you know it, it, it is what it is like like look, looking back i think one of the great things about the trip is I can't really see what I would have changed. And I mean, we're literally like putting in 16 hour days. I mean, yeah. like I need, 
some time to sleep. I need some time to eat. I need some time to stretch. But beyond that, I was straight up just working, right? Even yep. Airbnb, you know, turning on the camera for most of the days and most four nights uh, of the five, we captured yeah. it, right? So, um, yeah. 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 So, well, yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad your, your memory's serving you better in, uh, than mine is on some of this stuff. But yeah, so that, that turned out to be a swing and a miss, but that's okay. Um, then we, we swung down to, you know, the neighborhood where Bruce had worked. So tasks unlimited and also the old steeple people location. Those were just real quick grabs. Uh, we weren't mm -hmm. there for, you know, more than uh, 10 to 20 minutes each probably. And then, uh, you know, dusk started setting in. And so we were like, well, there might be one or two more things we need daylight for. Let's go back into the, you know, the main part of the city. We did that. Um, couldn't find parking near the library so we, mm -hmm. we bailed on that because i i kind of suck at finding a parking spot i guess in the city it was a little hard to figure out uh, where we could have even parked but so by by now dark has set in so we get back kind of take a few deep breaths unpack eat a snack and and we're like okay you know what does this night look like now because it's about six or seven p.m we still have things on the list that we want to get to. And, and that's when we decided it's it's time to split up. You know, we had been most places together. And even when we were at a location together, uh, you'd go off, grab what you wanted. I'd go off, grab what I wanted. And then we'd sort of reconvene. So there was, you know, a lot of the time that was our method of working. But this night, you know, we truly were just like, we didn't, I don't think we even asked each other. We're like, you know, whatever else you have in mind, whatever else I have in mind, let's do it. We got to go get it. And we're, there's no way we can accomplish that if we try to do the same things at the same time. So um, uh, let me stop there and I can come back to maybe some of my experiences that night. Do you want to take it away with, with what you went and, and did yeah, so, for the next several hours? Yeah. So like we split up, uh, I would say like six, yeah, six thirty or so was the time when we were like, kind of like, you know, getting back to the Airbnb and, you know, it was getting dark at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, we decided to split up and, you know, I, I just grabbed uh, uh, my camera and I was like, you know what? Uh, I don't necessarily have like a, a clear plan of exactly what I want, but I want like cityscapes, right? I want stuff that is is Minneapolis. It's stuff that Bruce area would have seen walking around, things mm -hmm. that he might have noticed. And I mean, that's what I did. So and I, I sort of gravitated to places that remind me a little bit of New York City and some of my favorite neighborhoods. Uh, whether it's like the industrial side of uh, Jamaica, Queens, or whether it's the sort of like alleyways you would find in places like Chinatown in Manhattan or uh, the, the Chinatown that they have in Flushing uh, in Queens. Um, so I was kind of like in alleyways back and forth. I got I got footage, which a lot of it, like it is kind of accidental in the sense that, you know, I would open up a camera and there was this one scene that I'm not going to spoil it for the viewers, but when I pulled out the camera just to sort of like, you know, uh, grab something and, and focus it in uh, immediately because it was out of focus. Uh, it looked like a totally different scene, but one that the viewer would immediately recognize as, you know, um, you know, as like a certain kind of night scene. And I was like, this will be perfect if I just kind of like focus in very, very, very slowly. And then it's going to be totally different from what the viewer expects uh, this kind of distorted image is. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was like all this like nice lighting, right? There's the regular like yellow lights. There was like a bunch of violet light that you don't even see until I panned the camera up very slowly. And that's the thing. It was a perfect like, because I, I had to do so many like takes and retakes and retakes just 
because of like the the muscle issue of like all right slowly put it up you have to make sure that you don't over focus so that it gets blurry again in the other direction and it was just like one take and it was just absolutely perfect um and like i just felt totally in the zone that night just like going in all these alleyways uh going to all these like little spots uh trying to see you know like and, and like my mind was like so hyper focused on anything that looked interesting mm -hmm. anything that i could find you know i kept playing with it until you know maybe i was able to capture something maybe not but you know a lot of good stuff did happen i did actually find i was not expecting this but i did find right surprise surprise alex sheramet happens to find some weed in minneapolis of all places <laughs> Because um, I, I was I was actually in some alleyway. Then I see this like, and I was capturing a lot of the alleyway because there's there's this like big green building and a lot of green lights. And I was like, all right, this is just different. Let me you know uh, capture some of the light. Let me just capture some of all. Let me do this. Let me do that. Then I start noticing this like cannabis leaf in one of the buildings, and I was like, I have no idea what this is. And eventually, I just like went out of the alleyway and I saw that oh, this building is like it's some sort of um. Uh, I guess they would call it like a fake weed shop, but uh, they did sell something called CHCA weed, which is there's a loophole now in U.S. law where if you buy hemp, uh, which you could just order online and they deliver to you, uh, they're not allowed to have THC, but they could have THCA, which is a precursor to THC and has literally the same effects. So I, I got the joint. And then let me tell you, like, I was so hyper focused afterwards and also like, you know, the effect that it has on me is I did not feel the cold. I did not feel any tiredness. Mm -hmm. I was literally like I was going to be up for like the next six hours from that point, just outside, just in the pure cold, didn't matter. And then be up until three o'clock in the morning doing capturing more stuff. Like, so it really gave me that, like, for you was the coffee. For me, it was this, like, it really gave yeah. me that second wind, like, well into like, and when I woke up the next day, like, I woke up at seven, so four hours of sleep, but I woke up so refreshed and I was like, damn, I, we did everything that we had to do last night. So to me, that was like by far the most enjoyable part of the trip. And if we go back to many albums to get more footage, we need a couple nights just like that, right? Where... You know, we go, we go do our different things and uh, whatever that we feel that we're best at, we just capture that. You know, we're not going to be each other's baggage. We're just going to do what we do and then get out. Um, but but that kind yeah. of freewheeling thing, like it, it, it was very nice because if your mind really is focused on what looks interesting here, the answer in the cityscape is almost um, uh, not almost everything, but almost everything in any given amount of space. Right. In mm -hmm. any given alleyway, you're going to find something worthy of being photographed right um it might take a little time to find it but you know whatever so it was it was a very very wonderful uh way to like finish the trip i think yeah yeah and and it's a nice contrast of our styles a little bit too because you went out a little bit more improv style you didn't necessarily have a, a plan and so you're just out in the city whatever comes my way tonight you know i'll make it happen i still had I had a bit more focus. I still had shots from my shot list, things I had conceived of ahead of time that I knew I wanted to get. Um, and so when we split up and, you know, when I set out by myself that night, um, I had a little acronym in my head to to keep reminding myself, uh, you know, which, which shots I wanted to make sure to get. And I just, just went and did those things. Right. So I got to a, a part of the city that we had been through a couple of times over the prior days. And I was like, this, this will work well. Uh, whether daytime or nighttime for this particular set of shots I want to get. Um, and then, you know, went and made sure all that, all that got on the, on the camera. Um, then, you know, all I'll say is I hopped on the bus 
for a while, uh, which is something that I had also wanted to do. And, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll maybe just leave it at that, but it had a, a nice bus route, uh, was on there for, for some time, uh, out and back to a part of the city we had not been to before. Um, but, but some fruitful things from that. And then, uh, you know, came back, swung back through kind of that, that transit area that I had been in, in, in downtown. And we got back, uh, one final time to reconvene and, and go out on the river, you know, again, right by the Airbnb and, and then again, kind of same place, but splitting up, doing our own things there for an hour or two, you know? Um, and, and I will say that, uh, I'm, I'm very excited about how a couple of the, uh, you know, of, of the pieces of footage that I got that, that final bit of time turned out. And then the next morning, you know, you, so you were up really late until three. I think I went to bed between midnight and one and I got up around six cause I still needed to pack my crap. So I, I had to spend a good amount of time doing that. But then I went out one more time to get coffee and knew that there were some other final things I wanted to catch on that route. Uh, you know, walking in the early, early morning light and it, you know, fortunate again that it dawned another sunny day. So there's just nice light streaming through the skyscrapers across, you know, the city streets. Um, and I was able to, to get some final things, including, you know, one unexpected thing that, uh, again, I, I just won't, I won't say anything about it here because I want it to be in the film the first time people would see it. But um, just a, a very nice stroke of luck right at the last, literally some of the last, you know, footage I captured before uh, turning off the cameras completely running back to the Airbnb, chugging that coffee, finishing packing, and then, and then you and I, you know, leaving to go to the airport. So we really were pushing it up until the the last possible moment that we could. And I think we were rewarded for that. Uh, but it was, it was a, an invigorating, uh, you know, final 12 hours for sure. It's just, like you said, there, there's no room for anything else. It was just very, very dialed in. And, uh, you know, those are always, those are always fulfilling times uh so it's yeah i'm glad glad we approached that the way that we did yeah um i mean since i came back uh i'm not sure if anything is different for you but i've been uh first of the kinds of movies i've been watching and also what i pay attention to has shifted right i'm a lot more mm -hmm. paying attention to cinematography yes um and i'm also now watching uh, probably because you know there's going to be some black and white scenes not only yours but some stuff that i'm uh, i'm doing too that mm -hmm. I, I just want to capture I just see like what is like the most logical way to do that so for example like a couple nights ago I was watching um like something that came up on criteria and it was it was this like terrible movie called the addiction and mm -hmm. it's like from 1995 and it's about like some woman that gets bit by a vampire she starts to become a vampire and it's like it, it has this like very weird it's black and white and it has this like very weird aesthetic where for whatever reason they they combine like vampire film noir with like hip-hop so but they don't do it <laughs> okay. in a way that makes sense so it's like you know she's like going i think she's like leaving from columbia university or something and uh she's like walking down she's like a white girl like walking down the street and this is like a, a crowd of black guys and they're like like hey baby you got you got jungle fever you know like very stereotypical <laughs> shit and yeah. uh, then when she like turns into a vampire, and they're, they're playing hip hop while this is happening, obviously. Then when she turns into a vampire, she she like takes one of the black men that she saw before in this crowd. So first of all, it's the black guys all hang out in the same crowd, the same space again and again, night after night. Uh, it's, you know, it's not stuff that would play well very well these days. But so she yeah. like grabs him by the hand and she like pulls him out. 
and he's like very happy happy he's like oh yeah yeah and he's like walking like this like with her like this like so yeah. it's like it's like so like fucking like cringy and stereotypical Jeez, um yeah. But there were actually, like, technically speaking, there were there was like so, there were some good shots. Like one reminded me immediately of like the last night when I was uh, capturing some stuff like under this metallic stairwell. Uh, she was also like under this because like if you can imagine what a metallic stairwell with like holes looks like it, at, at night, right? If you go down there, there's going to be tons of like all kinds of like shadows there that could potentially be interesting. So there was like framing yeah. of that 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 made sense and it was good, but. You know, the concept of the film was just like so stupid that, you know, it's like, you know, like I, I can imagine, you know, somebody like that, you know, totally fucking up a documentary like this. But, you know, I'm I'm looking at this stuff and paying attention to it. I also saw some other uh, noirs recently, which were just like visually, I guess, a little bit less interesting. But, you know, I, I'm looking at, at this kind of stuff now. You know, I'm not actually like interested in noir, but. Uh, I see that, you know, for I have to gather some ideas for some of this black and white stuff I'm going to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of those things like in terms of like, uh, like there, there is like a research that you do, but I feel like my research into like technical questions, like I didn't, I didn't spend, you know, that much time necessarily learning about the camera. Cause I mean, I feel, I feel like once you learn like some of the basics, there isn't, uh, there isn't so much more that you could learn, I think from tutorials, like a lot of it is just like, you have to be out there doing it. Yeah. And like, like by that final night, I really just kind of like came, I feel like in, in, into my own just by, you know, that extended amount of practice throughout uh, uh, the week or so. So, um, but in terms of like the research that you do after the fact and editing, like you're going to be watching movies, you're going to be gathering ideas, even like little things right now. Like I, I was, wa- I rewatched um, uh, Mr. Untouchable, which is, a, it's a great documentary about uh, mm-hmm. the Nicky Barnes uh gangster from from harlem in the 70s who who sold heroin and i I was only watching that simply because it's like all right i i want to see how they do text on the screen where it's like you know when you introduce somebody to be interviewed or like credits and one thing i noticed right away is like maybe you wouldn't have noticed it in 2006 i believe or 2007 when the film came out but uh it's so it looks so dated, right? It, it's made to look kind of like street and metallic and stuff, but it looks very, very dated now. And mm-hmm. when I was doing like the opening credits for the, for for our film, I was thinking like, damn, like some of this text looks a little bit iMovie-ish. But then when I looked at that, it's like, wow, like, but this shit has totally dated, despite the fact that it's still a great film. Still, yeah. like you have to be conscious of the fact that some of these decisions that you do, if they're like very much like within a kind of aesthetic that's in vogue, like keep in mind that that's going to become dated pretty quickly if you're not careful. So yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to keep like the text fairly simple, stuff that's not going to feel like an eyesore 20 years from now. Um so anyway, that, that's where I am right now like in terms of like whatever research or whatever else that I'm collecting these days. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing similar things and I would say as far as paying closer attention to the cinematography, I've been doing that for the past couple months leading up to when we went there. I was trying to, you know, it's, I will say it's not as fun and enjoyable of a way to watch a film, but literally watching the edges of the frame mm-hmm. to see, you know, how much camera movement is there? How much camera mm-hmm. shake is there? Is it a mm-hmm. completely static shot? Is it partially mm-hmm. moving? Mm-hmm. What's the framing? Is it up and away? Is it down mm-hmm. and, and turning it? You know, all these kind of things that you realize are are at play mm-hmm. uh, in, in the cinematographer and, and director of photography's playbook when making a, a film and obviously for the most part we're talking about feature films here you know you you and i are on this guerrilla style run and gun documentary which 
it's a little bit more free form. It's kind of nice because you're going to be given more leeway and, and there's kind of more expectation of leeway. I mean, we're just out on the streets grabbing, you know, slice of life stuff. I mean, it's, it's not going to have the sheen and the polish obviously of a, you know, something of direct to Netflix these days or whatever, right. Nor should it. Um, but still you, you can definitely learn a, a lot just by going through, you know, great films of the past, mediocre films of the past, modern stuff, and and just mixing all this together to see what goes on. Um, but yeah, you know, definitely now that we've collected the vast majority uh, of what we're going to be using, uh, whenever I'm watching something, there is again now a, a fresh set of a set of lenses over the eyes, right? Just to say, okay, so now I have as a reference point the footage that I took that I've reviewed. And if I'm looking at something like Mr. Untouchable or Man on Wire or, you know, whatever you pick it, you know, some good documentary, um, how, how did they splice some of these things together? What's the pacing like? How does the editing work? You know, are we talking a lot of quick, short takes? Are we talking long, patient takes, um, even down to just the interviews, right? How how long are they lingering on a certain frame before cutting to, to camera two and then just cutting away to scenery? in general, rather than looking at the subject, right? All this stuff matters. And I think that's what it's, it's going to take um, a pretty good amount of time for you and I to really get all that stuff to, to feel right. I'm not saying that we're trying to be formulaic and, and put it in a certain, you know, we're not, it's, it's not connect four where we're trying to drop things into a certain space necessarily, but some of this stuff is, you know, it's, it's kind of the way it's done for a reason uh, in some ways. Right. So we want to get, mm -hmm. you know, get that pacing, right. Get the feel of the thing, right. And just not, I said this to Kristen the other night, I was like, you know, in a way, especially because and now maybe we can transition more to just talking about the, the nuts and bolts of how we've done this so far, right. How to, mm -hmm. how to make this film. But I, I said to her, um, I feel like the challenge in a way might be how to make this look like, despite it being on a budget, despite it being a first go for Alex and, and I, um, like a, a well-produced, good, solid, mm -hmm. quality documentary, rather than a nice home movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because because that, that, that's what we don't want to have. I think is at the end of this, like, oh, they you know they had some decent cameras, and okay, these guys kind of know how to frame up some shots, and whatever. But then the whole thing still just kind of feels like iMovie in some way, mm -hmm. right? I think that's going to be the bigger challenge is really um, putting enough you know, pro grade and, 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 uh, quality behind it, uh, which I, I think we've got, you know, we've got the, the software, there's different software packages to help with all that stuff that it's the best time ever to be working on something like this, because there are a ton of tools even to help us with stuff in post. If it didn't come out perfectly in the camera, right. You try to get it as, as well in the camera as you can, but there's still a lot that can be done behind the scenes afterwards. So, um, Anyway, that that's really my main thing is is trying to make sure we we get that part of it right, so it feels like a a good quality, proper you know doc film. But mm -hmm. do you want to do you want to transition to just talking some more specifics on how to yeah. use and how we um, did it? Well, first I will say that Joe is a lot more uh, nervous about the editing than I am, um, and I mean I I think it's you know I think it's uh, going to definitely take some effort, but. You know, I personally can't imagine it taking more than three, maybe four months at the most, right? And four months to me is like really kind of pushing it. I mean, probably because I am just kind of like going to be doing this, uh, 
uh, not full time because there's other stuff that I'm doing, but still like a substantial amount of time um, that that, uh, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll make it look exactly how we want it to. And yeah, the, the goal is necessarily like, I mean, originally, uh, maybe a little bit, you had the thought of like, all right, this is gonna be like a good informational a thing about Bruce, but like very quickly, it's like, no, we're going to like, we're going to turn this into an actual, you know, it's we're like one, of, one of the, you know, classic or even like cult classic, um, you know, uh, documentaries on artists, right. Some of the classics that you could find, uh, uh out right now. Um, I expect this to be one of them where I'm trying to make it uh, go in that area. Um, mm -hmm. so, I mean, in terms of like nuts and bolts, uh, are we just, you want to just talk about equipment now or what, what are we going to do? Yeah, I think maybe we could just talk about equipment and yeah, okay. our pre our pre planning, and okay. then maybe like the the actual um, the actual getting around. You know how mm -hmm. how did we get to locations? How did we how do we approach that kind of stuff? Yeah, so uh, once we hit an hour or so, um, there's not going to be like a dedicated bonus show, but there's going to be an extended version of this conversation, just a continuation of what we're talking about. Uh, for the patrons, right? That's patreon.com slash automachination. By the time actually that this video is up uh, uh, live as well as the patron show, I'm going to have another patron show that I'm going to probably record like right after we do our thing here. Uh, just like a, a discussion of markets. I don't, I don't know who's interested in markets, but there's some stuff that I've been looking at, keeping my eye on um, that I'm going to discuss for patrons only. Plus, I, I still want to put up uh, the seven or so Russian songs that I'm not allowed to post on YouTube with my translations that ultimately I had to cut from my Russian playlist. So I'm going to put that up too uh, in the next week or two. So there's a bunch of stuff coming for patrons. But um, to discuss some of the equipment that we use. So uh, when I first got this camera, this was 2018. It was about $1,000. This is a Canon uh, M50. And uh i i don't know if this model is still available as like you could buy you know new whether they still like manufacture it whether they have an updated one i assume an updated one would probably be in a similar price range and probably be a bit be better than this one but i i originally got in 2018 specifically for doing some of those like more like more produced youtube videos like close to my face and stuff that i don't like to do anymore now so i actually had not used it in a while until like i knew this trip was going to come up so in preparation for this trip you know i started practicing with the camera and i also got like new video editing software that you know uh, would actually be like film grade um uh, that you know professionals use uh, i i'm using uh, DaVinci Resolve, but you know there, there's other ones as well. But I, I I like how logical DaVinci is, and I also know that for color grading, it's considered uh, uh, one of the best, if not the best, in the industry. So anyway, so this camera, I also bought a, a lens for it, right? So I wouldn't use it just out of the box, right? You'd buy a lens that is probably going to go. Uh, I'm not sure what they go for now, but probably use a couple of hundred dollars for a, a lens like this, yeah. and. I obviously, you know, allows you to, uh, um, you know, do more things with the camera. This one does shoot in 4K. So all the footage that I capture in 4K, it is cropped, but uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing, especially if like for a trip like this, one thing I'd recommend is uh, if you're, if you're trying to do like, like a real excellent professional film on a budget, it does not have to be, you know, more than $10,000. It could be $5,000 altogether that you spend. You could honestly do it, you know, just like with a camera like this. But 
you'd also need somebody with you to do other things because otherwise like you know all the work is going to fall on you i'm under the assumption that if you want to do a film maybe you're going to have to travel somewhere uh when you're doing something like that it's very helpful to have a, a person with you right and, and you know without joe like this film would not be happening and uh the good thing about having a camera like this plus maybe somebody else's cameras is if this is cropped in 4k and night shots look a certain way let's say there's going to automatically be you know some variety to the cinematography right that mm -hmm. uh is going to be very useful just kind of like native to like you know what this camera is and what it looks like uh one thing that i didn't quite expect until i looked at some of the night footage when i came home is uh if you you know not not like streaming it but really just kind of like the, the the raw file when you look at the raw file there's so much like beautiful nighttime graininess that you wouldn't necessarily see in like you know just kind of like you know viewing it i guess in the camera itself that mm -hmm. i'm not sure if like your camera necessarily did that or if you avoided it or if you emphasized it in some way but for me you know many of the night scenes look like that and uh it it creates both continuity as well as like a you know like this is like alex sherman's mark in the film right this is what some of the night stuff is going to look like so in yeah. and by, by itself just having two people you're going to have this variety but you know again camera like this let's say a thousand dollars a few hundred dollars more for a lens um i had to buy this recently so this is a um four tbs on uh actually installed on the motherboard right it's not a it's not one of those like dedicated uh ssds like you would put on the outside in the tower but uh i'm i'm doing this on the motherboard this was uh, under 200 dollars, but like you would need about this amount of storage because if you're going to be doing the film editing afterwards and you shot everything 4k like to get all those files like we're talking about you know two to three tvs and most computers don't have that it's too <laughs> annoying to have that you know obviously people have external drives but you're not going to be moving back and forth right and eventually like you know your your uh editing software is not going to be able to you know it's going to say like missing files like if you end up moving them around so you need a dedicated system um for for something like this especially if you're going to go with like these extremely high resolution images which are like 10 megabytes each or whatever you know imagine x number of them um 4k footage for the interviews uh this is what we did so this is a dedicated lav, right? This is from mm -hmm. Audio Technica. This is AT8531. And this was about maybe 200 or so dollars. Like, don't get, like, if you're going to be doing a documentary type thing, which for your first film, maybe it is the best thing to do because it seems like it's like easier to have like a skeletal structure as well as like get footage that, you know, interviews or whatever it might be. Um, but you need a dedicated laugh mic. Don't get one of those like $50 laugh mics that, you know, it's, if I do this with Keith or whatever, walking around, like it's, it's fine for a YouTube video, um, but it's not fine for a film. So dedicated laugh mic, about $200. You would need, um, as you can see, right, there's an XLR connection. So you would need mm -hmm. something like this, uh, this Zoom pod track. This is uh, the P4, perfectly fine for our purposes. I had uh, a regular, um, uh, I had a regular mic plugged into this one, right? That I was asking uh, interviewers questions. Uh, not to say that I'm necessarily even going to appear in the film itself, but, um, you know, like if there's going to be outtakes or commentary or like if I want to upload a full interview somewhere, it's, I'm going to sound good. You know, the, the interviewee is going to sound good. But, you know, you you do need something with XLR connections if you're going to do that lav mic. And 
you're, you're going to need XLR connections anyway for professional grade audio, right? There's no way to avoid that. Yeah. Um, this thing is like it's under two hundred dollars, so it's it's not a huge deal. Um, my mics, uh, you know, my the favorite mic that I've ever used, right? I still say it, AT uh, two thousand and five, uh, which is um, Audio Technica. Uh, they go now for like fifty bucks each. You put on. Um, what is, do I have it here? I don't have it here. But anyway, you, you know, you put on one of those windscreens and it just sounds fantastic, especially if you do, well, you're going to need to do some audacity or whatever after the fact, right? You're going to do audio processing on your own. You can't, you're, it's not going to be raw audio. So, you know, but yeah. that's free software. Um, it's not a big deal. And yeah, like in terms of equipment, like on my end, that was primarily it, right? Obviously, you know, the external hard drives that I would bring, a laptop that I brought. Because before I left, I was like, right, I'm going to put this on two external hard drives as well as my laptop. So if something goes haywire or if two things go haywire, I still have one left, which in fact was what happened recently. One of my external drives, not my laptop, but my main computer does not quite read it. So if, if there was like a deeper issue going on, that could have just, you know, been like done with. So you need to like avoid those externalities, obviously. But anyway, that's, that, that's my commentary on you know, like, like, but like you could do a film literally just with this camera. I think you can Sure. the way that I was sure. doing it, what I was able to capture the ideas that I had, you know, if I really spend time doing it and, you know, I, I could, I could do it. Um, so uh, it, it does not have to be a hundred thousand dollar affair, right? You could literally, especially if you're not traveling, uh, you could, you could easily keep a, a film like this under $5,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, for right, sure. So. I mean, even just if you have a fairly new iPhone, mm-hmm. it's going to take really high quality footage. You you can get little handheld gimbals for your mm-hmm. iPhone that'll stabilize it if you you know want some stable footage versus just carrying it with your hands. I've seen all kinds of interesting things done, uh, you know, just just with an iPhone or or certainly a a little you know handy camera like that. Uh, absolutely, it it can work. You know, it it's important. I should say to set an expectation then that it's not going to look like a Hollywood film, mm-hmm. right? And, and yeah. that's okay. And it's probably a good thing in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but and one look, thing look at Criterion. I, they have so many films that are like supposed to be like totally anti-Hollywood. They look a certain way. Like you could literally like that. That's that's where it really would come in, you know? Sure. Yeah. And and so, you know, trying to find your, your own aesthetic uh, to a certain extent and just use the right tool for, for the job or, or what you can afford, you know, I, I think is great. Um, it's, I, I said this to you a couple months ago when I was first really building out my package of stuff to, to bring, which I'll, I'll grab a few things here in a minute, but, and I'd have known this for a long time because even just shooting stills on film cameras, it, it's not nearly as uh, obnoxious, I wouldn't say. Uh, as with as with digital stuff and cinema stuff, but my God, the the rabbit hole of gear comparisons and gear commentary is it's one of the internet's black holes. I mean, it gets mm-hmm. so noxious so quickly. Um, but you can sit there forever and just watch comparison videos between camera A and camera B, and which one has better this, which one has better that. At the end of the day anymore, especially past a certain price point, they're both going to do a phenomenal job. And there's you know it's it's like anything, it's completely down to how you are going to use the tool and, uh, you know, and, and what kind of, uh, art you're trying to create, what kind of story you're trying to tell. So, you know, to, to your point, no doubt you, you could have a very affordable camera like that these days. It can shoot 4k, even 1080p is still looks pretty, pretty good. You know, most of the time you don't even have to have 4k. 
Yeah, um, many people wouldn't even be able to tell the difference, right? I mean, a lot of monitors yeah. are not, you know, able to process 4K. So like, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, just don't be bothered if the, the latest movie that you saw that you really enjoyed or were blown away by the cinematography, you know, was shot in 6K or, you know, Oppenheimer where Christopher Nolan is having specific films made for these IMAX 70 millimeter, you know, ultra huge cameras that weigh literally a ton you know i mean it's, mm -hmm. it, your movie won't look like that and that is okay it's probably for the best uh at the end of the day so um anyway you know in, in terms of gear for me i've got a couple quick things i can just grab here on the desk and then i'll grab a couple things off the bed but you know this little guy came in handy i didn't use it a ton but just a, a little zoom h1n recorder so i i had this in my pocket most of the time really easy to pull it out turn it on and hit the record button right in the middle and just get ambient audio so I've, I've got several nice clips on here uh, they're going to be really usable one in particular i was really glad i had it on on the bus ride because i just surreptitiously pulled it out you know turned it on and set it on my lap and it caught a lot of great ambient audio some conversations of people uh on the bus you know this kind of stuff this thing was 120 bucks you know and it takes a a double a battery uh and a ten dollar memory card so you know that's that's probably a no-brainer to have something like that um again you can scale up you can get nicer ones but i was listening back to the audio on this it sounds really good um this is a, something i've had for years a gopro hero five or six i mean i think they're on like the hero 14 these days but this guy is is great it's rugged it shoots in up to 4k um we use it for you know for some specific stuff that i, I think will definitely make it into the film um and you know you can mount it on your head, you can mount it on your on your chest, you can put it on a stick, you can just walk with it, um, on and on. But this this was a gift from a you know my ex father in law like many years ago, and I've, I'd hardly used it, but I thought you know what I, I can think of some some instances we might want to have that on the trip, and it did come in handy. So I mean th these days on eBay, I can't even imagine this thing's probably less than a hundred dollars. You could get one a few mm -hmm. generations old, and it's it's practically indestructible and uh goes it goes everywhere you could ask it to go so that's a, a nifty little thing obviously gopros have a certain look to them that you know it's a gopro but nonetheless um, that can be okay yeah so he has like um, he's gonna bust out all the equipment right so this is uh this is extra if you are a photographer yeah. you would have it you know yeah yeah um so you know this was the camera that i bought specifically for you know, for this project, so this is a Lumix S52X. This is a new camera from Panasonic. Um, you know, just came out less than six months ago. It has some really, really incredible video features. Me being, you know, the 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 new to the game, uh, you know, person that I am with all this, I'm sure I tapped less than half of what this thing can do. But you know, it can shoot in 4K with no limit on the runtime. Um, there's all kinds of different modes of shooting, nice little features you can use, several of which I did use um, to get specific shots. Uh, I have two lenses for it. You know, I've got this 24 to 105 mil that is a bit of a beast, but it, it's very stable. It's rock solid. It covers a huge range of, of wide all the way through, you know, quite cropped in. And then I also bought um, this 14 to 28 mil for it, which is a much wider angle lens, but very like incredibly light and uh and easy to get around with and you know I, I as much as possible for anybody also 
I just said it with the GoPro. Uh, you said it with your camera. Buy used. You know, I mean, I had mm-hmm. to buy the camera body for this new, as well as like the cage and a bunch of the other rigging that I'm not going to show. But um, the lenses, I both I bought both of these used, and it saved me at least five hundred dollars between the two, which I then, of course, just used to to get other gear that I really did need um, to build this whole thing out. So, you know, that's that's just always a smart thing to do, especially with digital gear like this. The churn on it is so crazy that like if you just stay patient and wait around, you know, you'll get a, a lens that's a year or two old and is marked down 20, 30, 40 percent. I mean, it's pretty easy to, to do, in my opinion. Um, you know, in terms of other stuff, I might just I might just show a couple other things. I mean, there's there's plenty more other stuff that I that I did use, but you know, I had some of my trusty film cameras with me. These, you know, it's a Pentax film camera that Again, this can be bought used today for 200 bucks. And then I have a ton of lenses for them because I've built this kit out over years. Um, and, you know, I've got some specialty stuff and some unique things, but that's me. I'm kind of, you know, a bit of a nerd on that. And I've wanted that stuff, but you can get by with just a, a body and a couple lenses and take some nice film photos if you want that. And then in terms of mics and audio, um, this Sennheiser MKE 600 was my main microphone to have on top of the cameras. This was mounted on, on top of my main cam. It captured backup audio for us at the interviews. Um, you know, I think everything worked perfectly with Alex's lab mic and, and the, the zoom pod track. So there's probably no need to tap into my backup audio, but we did have it right. In case yeah. anything went wrong, this could work. And it's a very yeah. good mic. Um, I, I had to buy this new, but this is probably, you know, 350 bucks. And then a couple accessories i splurged a little bit you can get cheaper ones from road or some other manufacturers even audio technica makes you know pretty good shotgun mics that would be in the 250 to 300 range i went a little higher end on this just because i intend to use it all the time you know from here on out for many years probably of, of doing video work um and then i bought you know a couple cables and some other accessories for it the wind sock is is an important thing to have but um yeah, I mean, all in, I, I definitely I went in a bit harder, you know, but I told you that I had been thinking of buying some video capable gear for quite some time anyway. And so I was OK to to invest in it for this particular project. And now I have it. You know, it's it's a one time cost, really, because as long as you can fight gas gear acquisition syndrome uh, and not get, you know, too too trigger happy with just splurging and spending on all kinds of stuff, because make no mistake, you can you can scale up for cinema stuff like this, you can scale up enormously very quickly if you want to. Um, and, you know, I, I find myself, you know, now I get targeted ads, right. With some new sweet mm-hmm. set of, you know, cinema lenses and all this kind of stuff. I mean, if money's no object, fine, you know, you can put together an unbelievable rig and you could have truly, truly a Hollywood grade thing. I mean, if you got an Ari Alexa light used and then, you know, put some decent cinema lenses on it, you'd still be in it for, you know, tens of thousands of dollars probably, but um, it can be done if if you really have a ton of money at your disposal. But there's really, there's just no, no need, you know, no point. I mean, I, my hope would be to your point about like, even at nighttime, some of the, the digital noise and digital grain, my, my camera does have some of that. You'll see it when I send you the footage. Part of that is just because with certain scenes, you got to really crank up the ISO in order to get enough light into the camera. And that always increases the amount of grain that you're seeing. 
Um, but that's, that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's part of the deal. It's, it's okay. And, um, again, unless you're on some, you know, high end, high end, uh, you know, studio type setting or, or otherwise with really, really elite level gear. I mean, you're going to have some of that in your film and it's, it's really fine. It's not a big deal. Um, so yeah, for the most part, all the video for me was captured on, on this with some contributions from the GoPro and one or two other little cheap cameras. And then, uh, you know, it was my film, my film, uh, cameras for, for all the stills. I think I took, you know, two or three stills on this literally, and I'm still not used to how digital stills look. I mean, I've just, I've shot film for so long. I know it probably sounds a little snobby. Um, but there really is, I think it'll come through in the film. There really is a certain pleasing look and, um, just, you know, these film cameras and these old lenses and the way the film renders it, it is unique. Um, something that a digital camera just really can't do. So, um, yeah, there's going to be a, a nice variety bottom line thrown at viewers, I think with our film, because we've got, you know, several different, um, recording sources here that, that are kind of each doing their own part of the lifting. But, um, anyway, you know, I'd say outside of that gear, you know, and Alex's is a couple thousand bucks, maybe in total. Mine is a bit scaled up from that, but still absolutely below 10 grand. I mean, I think my budget at the end of the day was six to seven K for all that stuff. And that's with taxes and shipping and, and on and on. I mean, I, I tried to keep it as reasonable as I possibly could to have a modern capable tool that could do the job. And that I just wasn't going to have any, uh, I wasn't going to be second guessing it at all. You know, I, I knew it would do what I, what I asked it to do. Um, but, but man, I mean, that's, that's still pretty darn good. And then we really just had our travel and lodging costs, which, um, you know, we also kept reasonable, obviously we're splitting that between us and whatever, but, um, do you want to talk for a bit about like the pre-planning and just kind of what we swapped back and forth before going there and how that played versus improving things? Well, I mean, first I, uh, you know, prior to, uh, to even, um, swapping any of that, I, I was just like practicing with, uh, you know, some of the video editing software that was like, all right, if I'm going to be doing a movie, I need to upgrade. Mm -hmm. So I got to get familiar with this before I even go on the trip, right? I need to sort of see what's available, what I could do, um, and just like be more comfortable so I could go straight, you know, into editing when I get back. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's one part of it, right. And we're talking about maybe, um, you know, a few hundred dollars or whatever for a license like that, a lifetime license. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's useful. And, uh, the back and forth was like, right. So first of all, like, you're going to have to think about, uh, skeletally, right. So what is this going to be like, if this is going to be your first movie, uh, my recommendation is to do something, uh, documentary like, uh, mm -hmm. simply because, you know, if you have the content already there, if you have uh, the skeletal structure already there, it makes it a lot easier to just sort of think about, you know, what are we going to do? Um, what kind of script ultimately would it look like? Uh, what is the majority of the footage going to be? What is like a chunk of the footage going to be? Um, like a lot of that gets a little bit predetermined for you. And your creative input is to like work around those edges and to like really kind of like fill it out and to make it cohere in some way. So, I mean, like we, uh, we, we have, uh, the, the city boy novel by Bruce Ario, uh, since it's about his writing life primarily, um, also his selected poems. So the first thing was like, you know, we, we're going to have to go through these books 
and just pluck out whatever that we think that we're going to use in terms of, um, you know, excerpts for voiceovers or things that would cohere nicely with some of the imagery or things that would be very unconventional with the imagery that we might capture of Minneapolis. So mm -hmm. you're thinking, you know, you're pre-planning all of that. Uh, I didn't have the 20 or so pages of shots that Joe had uh, when he said me. I was pretty surprised to get that. Um, but we both like to like really over plan on things. But I, I had like maybe two or three yeah. pages of materials. And a lot of it was just based around, you know, stuff that I would get from the text. Plus, you know, the kind of like pre-existing, you know, a material already there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like that that was part of uh, my plan. Also, obviously, like, if, you know, setting up if this is going to be a, a documentary or something with interviews like we had, you know, a lot of it is like, you know, months before you contact people. You talk mm -hmm. to them, you see who's going to be useful, you see who's going to, you know, maybe not really work for the film. Um, and, you know, you make sure that all of that uh, works well. Obviously, you know, you test out your equipment, your audio, whatever, before you go. Uh, yeah. You shouldn't you shouldn't be, you know, um, figuring all this out unless it's like, you know, additional stuff. Like, you know, in the, the, the night before the interview that we did, the first interview, rather, the mm -hmm. night before, like, you know, we recorded it with the lav mic and I was like, all right. What if uh, I, I I would usually put it on, you know, on the outside uh, when I was testing it before leaving? I was like, all right, let me see what it sounds like on the inside of the shirt, which like with my chest hair and also bare skin, it was like, all right, I knew right away that it's not usable. We're going to have to like just always keep on the outside. But it's like, you know, it's like playing around. So it's like a non, you know, stressful situation. We're just like recording a video for the sake of uploading it to YouTube as a kind of like, you know, this is what we're doing tonight. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's not a big deal, but like you're, you're going to be also testing stuff out you know, on the trip to whatever it might be before setting out to actually do it. And uh, maybe, Jill, after you give your part of it, uh, we're going to transition to a uh, continuation of this uh, dialogue. Um, in fact, maybe we're going to do right now, right? If you want to mm -hmm. see Joel's input in all this, right? And remember, he is the videographer. He is the expert here, right? Again, this film would not be happening without him. Uh, you do want to get yourself some friends that if you could tell them, hey, I have this idea for a film, do you want to do it? Get a friend that you know for a fact is A, going to say, fuck yes, let's go do it. And B, are going to totally split the cost with you and not going to ask any questions. And it's just assumed, you know, so that's very important. So if you want to get <laughs> the professional opinion, that's patreon.com slash automachination. We're going to continue this conversation. And for patrons, you will get other material on top of that as well. Thank you guys and the public show for watching. For the patrons, just stick around.